into residency at the House of M's. This is Triple M Nights with Dave Gleeson. Now, we all know Tim Rogers is the lead singer of UMI, uh, a massively successful band that uh, came out of the early 90s and pretty well uh, bought uh, independent or alternative rock to the mainstream in such a big way, so many number one albums. And uh, Tim is back with his Tim Rogers and the Twin Set. And I'm going to ask him about this. The, uh, the album's called The Tines of Stars Unfurled. Here he is right now. G'day, Tim. How are you? I'm good, Dave. Just um, every time I hear that album title, I'm reminded just, just how pretentious I possibly am. But it's, uh, it, it keeps me amused. So, <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the meaning behind the album title? Well, the, I made a record in 99 with the twin set called What Rhymes With Cars and Girls, and it was really kind of having a stab at myself in that, I guess, you know, classic rock and roll folk rhythm and blues songs about cars and girls or cars and relationships. And so I called Eric a What Rhymes With Cars and Girls because I was always trying to, find something a bit lyrically obtuse in there for no other reason mm-hmm. other than it just appealed to my sort of <laughs> sense of humour. And then um, after years of people saying, well, I know what rhymes with cars and girls, and then uh, I was down in Tasmania with my wife working on a ballet and I looked up at the beautiful East Tasmanian sky and saw this uh, pitchfork of stars evolve. I don't know what we'd done in the hours previous, but it was a bit of a vision and I thought, wow, tines of stars unfurled you know, <laughs> just the, uh, like the times on a fork so in, in a short answer that's it <laughs> awesome well, man, now we know what does rhyme with cars and girls so it's been a long time since uh since you've done something or under your own uh, name or, or with with uh, a solo record how uh, how did that come about uh, a guy a friend of mine called Aidan Fennessy who unfortunately died last year uh, he wrote a stage play based around that original album and I didn't see a narrative in the album at all but he did and he so he made this play and it went for months and I was involved in it as a musical director and, and uh, acting and I was listening to the characters sing all those songs uh, and when you hear your own lyrics back at you particularly when someone else is singing them night after night and I just thought well this is making me feel a bit odd some I'm not too happy with. And you, you can sit with those, as you know, you know what you write when you're 18 or 20 or 28. It's okay that you don't necessarily feel exactly the same. But because I had a lot of time on stage where I was inactive, just as a as a writing exercise, I thought, well, I'll, I'll kind of update them or, or reply to them as if it was an older person replying to the to the younger uh, person who wrote those songs. Right. So it was just it was a writing experiment. And but you've done so much collaboration with people over the years. Do you think that's kind of uh, been something that's that shaped your songwriting and shaped your ability to kind of, as you know, you're talking about you're working on ballets and stage plays and stuff like that. Has that been something that's kind of rounded out your uh, your songwriting ability? You think? Well, I hope so. I mean, the big one recently has been working with the Hard Ons because we just finished a new record that's coming out uh, in a couple of months, and Blackie, who's been writing for the Hard Ons for thirty seven years uh he and i write so differently from each other but yet we're such good friends and and it works so what it's um highlight to me is that you know i've got my own little quirks and styles and possibly overwrite things uh when they could be a lot simpler and i'll keep working on that and chipping away and and trying to make things possibly just a little more um, because i actually get distracted when i hear a lot of lyrics in songs all the time uh so 
editing and uh, might be a better way. And, and Bucky and I talk about that quite a bit. And with hard-on songs, they've just got to be delivered with such ferocity. And I guess if you know that you can collaborate with people, it gives you a bit of confidence that you may be a good team player and, and not a bad addition to any team. Funny you say that because I was reading recently that um, Pete Townsend had said uh, when, he, when he was asked what he'd do you know, differently, he said, oh, I'd never have been in a band because I'm not a very good collaborator. He said, I'm a good team player but not a good collaborator. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I was telling someone the other day, we had, had a good couple of hours with Pete and he was so generous with his time and I've heard him say that before and being quite disparaging and mm. I guess we can all get a bit down on ourselves, you know, if we're uh, terpsing it up or, you know, just being a bit cranky on tour, which, you know, we all do from time to time. But he, I think for so many decades allowed his bandmates to play the, to their strengths. Mm. You know, him playing guitar pretty much as a, as a rhythm uh, instrument rather than a lead instrument. So I think Pete's being a bit hard on himself there. Yeah, I'll yeah, tell yeah. him next time I see him, David. <laughs> <laughs> you make sure you do. Um, now, you've had such a long career. I mean, um, like 91 or two, did you guys kick off with your MI? 89. 89, so the same vintage as myself. About the same, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, but you've been able to uh, to ride, the, like, between, as I was saying in the intro, between the alternative and the mainstream. And I think that the, the amazing part about yourself and UMI is that you've been able to keep your fans all the way through, whereas, you know, obviously there's that, oh, no, they've sold out now, they're on a certain radio station or or something like that, but you've been able to have this amazing um, loyal fan base that have followed you wherever you've gone. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we've, I don't know if we ever, you and I ever talked about it years and years ago, but the thing, we we were quite straight for uh, musically for the bands that we were playing with. You know, we started playing with a lot of hardcore and, and punk bands, and we were kind of played a lot of Aerosmith covers and, and um, mixed with, Hard on songs or exploding mm. my songs, or um, and so we kind of tended to be uh, on the fringes of things because my voice is a little you know not the strongest and it, it wavers a bit. And it took us a while to get uh, our own version of other people's styles. You not, know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's anything blisteringly original, but it's a, it's a meld of certain things, and so. We definitely didn't go in um, because then when other bands would come through saying, hey, we're alternative, we're independent, and they would use us as an example of a, a band that was um, really very straight or very main, straight's an unusual, probably wrong term, but um, we considered ourselves a rock and roll band, but uh, I guess it was just our first manager, Kate, wanted to do things with... Um, Kind of not um, not overstepping our reach in a way, and trying to have some kind of an ethical backbone that we were just making up for ourselves because there's no real playbook for that kind of thing. So, so quite where we our feet were in different camps was was unusual because I felt that you know when uh, when we first met and we were being held up as examples of different ways of doing things, mm. but I, I just didn't see it that way. I mean. You just look like you were having more fun than us. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, I, I really just thought that we were, we were always just trying to be a, a really good rock and roll band. 
Now, moving on to uh, the twin set and yourself. Um, these, are, these are guys you've known and played with for a long time, Davey Lane in particular. Um, yep. what, what, what's the fun about making uh, records like this as opposed to, uh, to UMI? Uh, it's the instrumentation. Uh, Jen Anderson, who plays violin and mandolin and a lot of um, does a lot of vocal harmonies with me, her musicality is immense. Uh, it, it's a bit of a joy to, to hear everything acoustically rather than have, having most things amplified. Uh-huh. Um, and switching between the two, I wouldn't like to do either one exclusively, playing for months with, with the twin set and going with your mind and off with the hard-ons and off with the bamboos, uh, really lucky enough to be able to do it. And it's not like I get sick of anything at all. It's just that um, each band has a limited capacity to keep going. I guess we, you know everyone's got day jobs in every act that I play in and um, you can only tour so much of the year. And also when, just when you hear records, that you're really loving uh, and it will vacillate between exclusively just listening to old honky tonk and country music for months. And then suddenly I just want to listen to hardcore or, or you know, just speed metal. And, and then other times the old boogie will you rock and roll. And so how it all fits in, I, I guess, again, I've just got to make sure that I give people, you know, <laughs> at least a couple of weeks notice when I've got to be away. <laughs> and, and again, Dave, that thing of just trying to be a good team player, you know, because uh, things things can get a little uh, can get a little tense out there. Sure, sure. There's a little tension on the road sometimes. <laughs> now, uh, I've I've heard uh, on the grapevine from a couple of blokes I play in a band with that you were school captain at your school in uh, at high school. Yeah, yeah. I got thrown I got thrown out in of school in at the start of year eleven um, just for getting rowdy and <laughs> picking fights and and then uh, I got thrown out and I, I just didn't have any skills at all and so there were a couple of weeks there where I was scrounging and looking for a job and couldn't get anything uh, and didn't really sort of know what my aptitudes were and so I crawled my way back to school just pleading and <laughs> and so was pretty swatty for the last two years and um, got to be school captain which is a dubious strange kind of place to be. <laughs> a bit of a poison chalice. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that's, the, that's the one because I guess um, you're asked to be some kind of figure of responsibility. I remember mean, my first day as I mean, school captain because I had a couple of earrings on and, and uh, I hadn't been to a – I'd been to a couple of different schools, religiously based schools, but also not and got sort of cuffed by, by a brother and said, you know, you can't look like that. You're supposed to be representing the school and – I think I said, well, I'm just representing myself, but um, I sort of felt, yeah, the poison chalice. (laughs) It was because I had to go back to the school and give a talk. Um, Three years later, they asked me to come back. Right. Already in um, hospital for having a nervous breakdown. I was down at law school in Canberra, and it was probably beyond me intellectually and and just found that and working um, to put myself through through university just too much and so sort of fell in a heap and so I went back to ask to go back and talk to students and, and I was so heavily medicated that I was probably dribbling out of one side of my mouth and <laughs> I thought well if they want an example on how not to do it um <laughs> the boys I'm going to use that one. <laughs> no, but but you, I'm sure you look back on those uh, those times. Uh, I mean, like uh, I've got an uh, 18 year old daughter at the moment, and and you remember how uh, how important and significant everything was at that time. 
that uh, that then pales into insignificance as uh, as you become a, an adult and move on for your life. Isn't that incredible? You know, I have recently been having a bout of insomnia, and I, I did around that age as well, probably the age that your daughter is, and um, and geez, what was I concerned about? Really, it was mm. about uh, thinking that you'd um, done something dreadful when really you're just being a, a child, um, a kid, an adolescent who is just trying to make their way in the world, you know, uh, particularly with romantic stuff and not sort of really knowing where you stand in that, in that world and um, just worrying and worrying and worrying and fretting and, and, uh, and bugging up. And then, as you said, it just pales into its insignificance later on. And then at um, I'm 53 now and in a fresh set of, uh, concerns and and yeah. worries, not least about my twenty two year old daughter, and, <laughs> yes. and maybe maybe in a couple of years they'll hopefully abate and and be kicked to the curb as well. Mate, well you've got uh, you've got a wealth of things to draw on when you write about stuff, and I'm sure that's uh, that helps you when you're uh, you're, you're going between you know UMI and uh, and the, the hard ons and the twin set and the bamboos. Uh, Tim, it is a pleasure to talk to you, mate. And you are touring. It's a massive tour starting off March 3rd and going all the way through till April all across the country. Tim, I'm hoping to catch up with you somewhere in an airport lounge. Listen, I'm going to cuff you in an airport lounge and let's just go out for a couple of days, David. It's been Rock a long on. time. Excellent, mate. Great to talk to you, Good Tim. Man, uh, See you, brother. Cheers, mate. Tim's got his album, Tines of Stars Unfurled, with the twin set. It's out, and uh, we cannot wait to be playing. Been so good, been so far. For all the latest rock news, interviews, and backstage experiences, don't forget to subscribe to Triple M Rock on the Listener app.